There is hope for us yet. We are young, we are wet. I am Laura McCallan, and I am Holly Whitaker, and this is Home Podcast. Well, I'm looking at you. (laughs) So, So we're looking at each other right now, and we're in our pajamas on a bed. Washington, D.C. In Washington, D.C. On Sunday, October 4th. 4th. Yep. We're at the Unite to Face Addiction Conference and March. 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 Yeah. Rally. Rally. Um, and so this is the first podcast we've ever recorded together. Yeah. And it's awkward. <laughs> Very awkward. <laughs> um,. Yeah, so we're sharing a mic today, so if the sound quality's off, forgive that. But um, but yeah, it's it's kind of cool. We're so um, it's so easy to talk when somebody's not sitting next to me. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, we're so we're basically last night we went and we met a bunch of different people that we know from the blogosphere and from the addiction world, which was just amazing. Mm-hmm. We had um, a, like I was, I mean, I was. I was not excited about it just because things like that tend to like overwhelm and freak me out when you have to meet a lot of people. And I also really hate small talk. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like that. No, it was awesome. I mean, we met probably 20 people that that we that I have know, known only through in the past year uh, over Instagram or Twitter mm-hmm. or from my blog or Holly's blog or Facebook or whatever. And um, it was so fabulous. Wonderful. To put these faces to names and um names to faces and to I don't know meet people and hug them and like they they be all became very real so it yeah. was a total honor and so exciting and fun and um and then yeah. we soul cycled with with one of them this morning with Nancy Carr from Last Call so yes soul cycle my first time I uh, want to do it every day yeah it's awesome it's a really good way to burn it out um yeah. So, so how are you doing? So today's kind of a big day. Like, it's kind of one of those things that's not really, like, resonating, I think. for Like, for some reason, I'm missing, like, what a big fucking deal today is. But today is a really big fucking deal, especially for those of us that are, um, that have suffered from addiction and that are, mm-hmm. um, you know, speaking out about it or those of us that are um, hiding the fact that we suffer with addiction and those of us who have faced any sort of stigma, any sort of shame, um, any sort of lack of resources, which is every single s- person that I've ever met that has dealt with addiction. Right. And so it's like this morning we ran into Veronica, um, I am going, Valet. Valet, who wrote the book, um, oh God, How to Get and Stay Sober, I believe. I'm going to come, I'll, I'll put a link to that. But she was just saying, this is like our AIDS quilt. Um, and, and this really is, this is, you know, this is the first time a mass group of people has gotten together, um, to really step up and be the faces of addiction. And not only that, um, to really pull together to try and change the story of what addiction looks like in America, which is not something that should be criminalized and not something that should be hidden and treated outside of, yeah, it's, I mean, it's our biggest health crisis. It is our biggest health crisis. It's what most people, it is the third leading cause of death. Um, and, and that's just alcohol alone. Alcohol and drugs combined is just, it's, it's enormous and it's huge and it's, it's completely unattended by society. And so it's a really exciting, big thing to be part of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I, this is the first one that they've ever done. Mm-hmm. And I, I, not, I wasn't going to say I didn't realize that cause I do, but I, um, there are, I went down, down yesterday and walked to the mall and this is all taking place on the mall today. There's like. 10 different amazing bands and performers like Cheryl Crow and Steven Tyler and um, John Resnick from Goo Goo Dolls and The Fray and um, others. There's authors. There's um, Tommy Rosen Tommy from Recovery Rosen, 2.0. Thousands and... of, you know, big, Dr. Oz, thousands of big faces and names and a bunch of others that um, that are not and that are just uh, people that have come from all over the world um, to show up for a day. I mean, the woman that we talked to this morning brought her kid, who's a baby. Um, Six-month-old baby, yeah, by herself. By herself, and she said, you know, she's like, I thought of not going, but, because, um, you know, what a hassle it would be, and that it's really a lot to do that with a baby, but 
women did this for women's rights in the 60s and on buses and buses and you know travel days and so yeah i'm definitely in the place where i don't realize how cool this is either um last night was like a taste of it but when we head out tonight it's gonna be i don't even know what it's gonna be but i'm sure it's gonna be pretty um pretty fantastic and um i'm yeah i'm excited to it was so surreal i i as we were landing yesterday um and I've been to DC a bunch, many, many times. I used to come every month for work and never in, you know, I haven't been for about five years and yeah. never in a million years ever did I think I would be showing up, you know, the next time <laughs> for something like this. It, you know, it's just, it's awesome and totally, totally bizarre and wonderful. So, so yeah, uh, that's, that's where I am and I'm good. I'm sick still. So my voice is all froggy and uh, but I feel great and um, honored to be here and excited to talk, um, even though this is awkward, sitting right next to you, talking to I know, I'm just here. pretending like you're not here. Um, yeah, it is. it is. It's a really big deal, and I think I'm the same. I've been here. I, I came here quite a bit for work and um, and drank hair quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's um, the last – I've been here – I think I've been here one or two times since I stopped drinking. At least – I know at least once because I had um, – I remember a phone call with somebody I'd met in AA – in a hotel room here and so I, I know but it's just it's weird because I associate all these east coast towns a lot with um drinking, drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. so so today is the second part of our quote-unquote relapse series last week we talked about um we talked about relapse and the experience of relapse once you've when you're trying to quit drinking and really before it it sticks and today we're going to talk about what it means to um, you know, kind of fall off the path, fall off your center, fall off, um, you know, your, your groove once you have maintained sobriety and where the, the, where the, the danger and the fear and the, the stuff is not really about, oh my God, I'm going to drink again, but it's really more about, oh my God, um, what's going on? I'm losing it. And I'm not like, I've lost it. I, that, that feeling, that, that feeling of, you know, things were going so well and, um, and again, this is an impetus. This is like the impetus of this was really spurred by a letter that Laura and I received from somebody that we know that has been sober for six or seven years. I still don't know the exact amount of time, but who was just like had you know kind of fallen into I don't know if it's depression or just off it, fallen off of it, like just didn't feel like herself and right and felt lost and didn't yeah. know you know what to do. Um, yeah, that's why we that's why we wanted to do it, and you know I. I've had a lot of experiences like that and, and you know I've only been sober for a year so you know there that is a long time and a very short time but and I don't think it matters that's that's one of the things I want to talk about I don't think it matters because I've been in uh, meetings enough and I know enough people with varying lengths of sobriety I don't think it has anything to do with how long you've been sober you are always you know that's life it's life being a human no I agree I think this is not about I don't think this is I think this part of the conversation is is applicable to well I think the first part of the conversation is applicable to anybody that's ever gone on a diet or anybody that's ever you know tried to accomplish anything and I think this is more applicable to anybody that is on some sort of evolutionary path in themselves Mm -hmm. and some sort of growth path um I think it's you know and and all people all Mm -hmm. people we all lose ourselves from time to time yeah um so so do we want to do you want to talk about sort of your experience with that in your own path and what you know falling off the path has looked like for you and what it felt like and what happened and um then how you got back yeah I think that's a great way to start um yeah so I think for me um one of the, the biggest times that I really ever fell, I've written about this. I wrote about it in a response to a letter um, about judging other people. One of the first mm-hmm. times that I really fell off of it was when I um, when I lost my job. Not when I lost my job, when I left my job. And then I went to Italy, and then I came back, and I was in the middle of a yoga training. And everything, by all accounts, should have been great. Um, and it wasn't. I was deeply insecure in that yoga training. I didn't feel comfortable. I had, there was a, I had a really terrible adversarial relationship with – a man that was in my yoga training and my um and I just fell into a really deep depression and I did that because I thought at this point I should be somewhere 
And I had done all this work. I'd, this was my second yoga training. I, you know, I did yoga meditation every day. And not only that, at this point, I was, you know, when I was in that training, I was doing like two hours of fucking yoga a day. And I had, you know, I had traveled. And, and by all accounts, by all of the that I had known, I should have been someplace. And so what? I, and not only that, I was trying to be this voice. I was blogging at that point, and I was Instagramming, and I was trying to be this voice of here's the way. This is how you do it. And it was really embarrassed and really, um, like, just so, I would say, deeply, um, deeply, ooh, um, yeah, I was embarrassed and I felt inadequate. And I thought I should have, I should be at this point. I shouldn't be experiencing these things. And so for me, the, you know, the like, that was a really dark period because, you know, really honestly, not just because of how rough my life was at that point or how rocky it was. I mean, my cat died. I was couch surfing. Like, everything that could have gone wrong, I feel like, went wrong at that point. Um, But the real pain of it came from thinking I should be somewhere else. And, um, you know, and that's that's what, like, for me, and, and and not only that, there's this kind of, there's this special pain that comes from having had caught this wind like my Mm -hmm. sobriety was really big and beautiful and this was you know at this point I'd already gone to Italy twice I had you know run (sighs) through fields and done cartwheels on beaches and I was like you know like free as a bird and and like looking at those pictures of how I was was really painful and so and that's kind of I mean that's you know we there's so much to say and I don't want to like go so deep into this that you know I can't pull myself out but like I will say that was the first time it hit so hard and then it hit again for the same exact reason which was life happened life kept life happened and life happens and I went through I still went through depression even though I didn't drink I still went through depression I still got in fights with people not everyone liked me and I still cared about it Mm -hmm. I felt ungrounded and you know and then winter came and I got dark earlier you know Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff happened and, and really, you know, for me, I think a lot of my suffering and a lot of, like, a lot of what it's looked like is, um, is that it was painful because I wasn't allowing it. All times. All times. Every single time I've ever really lost it, the pain has not been so much that I was going through it. The pain was in denying that I should be going through, you know, like, I just shouldn't be here. And the pain was you know oh but I was so good I was like things were so good and I was so happy and I was so together and all this shit was fine and then the pain was I'm not and I'm a mess and I've you know set myself up to model what my life is like and share what my life is like with a population and it's embarrassing blah 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 you feel like a fraud yeah Mm -hmm. fraud total fraud so so yeah I mean that's what it's looked like um Mm -hmm. And how I got back on, I'd rather – I want you to kind of talk about what it's looked like for you. Because okay. how it gets back on is a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, you know, as you're sitting there talking and thinking. And I guess for me, I, you know, I, I have a, only a year to draw on. And um, I have experienced a lot in that year. Um, I have to say I've had um, – I don't know if it was because I relapsed relapsed so much or I, you know, or I had gone through so many um, humbling experiences prior to getting sober, you know, um, my divorce, uh, in my marriage, my, you know, having a baby, um, being a parent, which is tremendously humbling. Um, there's a, there was a lot, there was, there was a lot of financial stuff. There was a lot of situations that I found myself in where I thought at the time I should be somewhere else, or this shouldn't be happening, you know, for whatever it was. And, and so while I guess by the time I actually started to get time and sobriety, I was incredibly humbled by life. Um, and so I, I feel like by the time I, I, I got sober, um, many other circumstances, my insides were already so different. And I feel like I, um, my ego had been really shattered over and over again that I, um, I haven't gone through 
a, as dark of a time in sobriety as I did before getting sober. That said, I've, I've certainly had some many dips where I thought, um, my, my falling off the path seems to come as fear. Like all of a sudden I will feel like I'm untethered, um, or I've lost connection to my, my source. Like, and it's hard to put into words. I don't even know how to describe it other than fear. Like I feel unsteady. I feel unsafe. Um, Mm-hmm. And I feel like at, at risk, not of drinking, but just that I'm not okay. It's a general not okay, okayness. And um, and it's really unsettling because I don't know. I, I have a hard time identifying like what went wrong. And sometimes there is nothing. Yeah. That's, a, you know, I think a big thing. It's not, you know, it's not that I haven't been going to meetings or I haven't been talking to people or I haven't. Um, been writing or I haven't been blah 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 running you know it's not all those things stay the same but still our inside something is working through me and um, and it just is it is things things flux so I don't you know I don't know um, one one thing that really did set me off and I remember distinctly was I've been on um, an SSRI antidepressant for the past seven years. I got six years. I got on it when I had my daughter and I experienced crippling anxiety to the point where I couldn't function. And I got on this, this medication and it it helped a lot. Um, and I was very against doing that, you know, which is hilarious because I was pouring massive (laughs) amounts of alcohol into my body, but it was just like a thing. I don't know. And I, uh, but I, but then I didn't care, you know, it helped me. And I, um, I did have it in my mind, you know, once, okay, if I'm sober, I want to try to get myself off of this because I don't want to be on medication. And about four or five months ago, I told my doctor that I was going to, you know, wean off and I was already on a pretty low dose and I stopped using it. And really quickly I lost I felt really crazy and anxious and immediately, you know, within, within a week I felt, um, tremendously anxious and, and that, you know, flip flops into depression and it's this crazy cycle. So that was terrifying. And I thought, and and that made me feel like, okay, maybe this thing I have isn't real. Maybe, you know, this medication is holding me together and I'm not doing it. And sobriety isn't really, you know, all these crap thoughts. And um, I quickly threw that out. And I, I know I there's a lot of talk around around using meds like that. And I have absolutely zero, zero, zero um, feeling about it anymore in terms of that it's not right to do. So I got back on and, and you know, I'll, maybe I'll try to get off again. I don't know. I don't really care. But that reminded me as you were talking, Momastery, Glennon Melton wrote something on Momastery this, just this week about falling off. Um, her path and she yeah. she went off her medication she was feeling good and then she found herself in a really deep depression and um, her whole thing was just what you were saying was I go in front of thousands of people and I talk about I act like I know yeah you know I act like I know and my job is to know and she had this conversation you know she's talks to Jesus or doesn't talk to him but that's her spiritual guide you know that's her number one and she said she in a, in a quiet moment you know said but my job is to know how am I supposed to do this if I don't know anything and he said your job is not to know your job is to love mm-hmm. and to be love and not to others not just to others but to yourself so I think that's you know if that if there's anything it's that it's it's not supposed to look any particular way that is what I've seen and um, I'm unsurprised by the highs and the lows now. I yeah. try not to take either too seriously, although, you know, I do, and it's, it takes effort not to, but um, I think it's important not to take either too seriously because there are tons. I feel like my in the year I've been sober, it's been like, um, you know, if you look at like an EKG or something and it's bumping way up and way down and way up and way down and slowly, you know, that's, that line has started to – get gravitate more towards the middle yeah um but there's still tons of highs and tons of lows so that's been my experience I don't I don't have you know I I have I don't know if I I don't have enough time or I just so 
like I said, had gone through so much already, so much ego smashing and crashing that I don't, I was kind of disabused of the notion that something shouldn't be happening to me because so much had already happened. Yeah. That didn't make sense. That wasn't logical. It had nothing to do with what I was, you know, my circumstances. It was just what was happening or the amount of effort I was putting in, you know, it was just happening. So, so that's my experience. I, um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think, like, it's so interesting, like, as I'm sitting here kind of thinking and listening, you know, is I really wanted to talk about falling off the path and, you know, falling off your spiritual path. And really what, what I think, like, especially because it's just so interesting that Glennon um, from Monastery, she wrote that piece this week. And that's, like, really, it's, like, for me, what it's felt like is, um, I mean, it's depre- I think it's depressed. I think, like, what we're saying is, like, when you go through periods of depression, that's, mm-hmm. like, kind of falling off your center. And, and that's, like, really, that's what it is. Like, all these times that I'm thinking, these were times of depression. Yep. And, um, and she had, in, in that blog she wrote on, was it Monday? Last Monday, it said um, that she, you know, in her experience, it was like, it's like just not being yourself. And, and it's so painful to not be, you know, like it's just not really so painful. Yourself. Yeah. Not accessing. And she wrote that in that piece. And I encourage everyone to go onto her blog and read it. I'll post, I'll post a I'll link to erasing. it. The erasing. All of a sudden, she got this wave of joy as she was, I don't, as she was doing something. And it was like, oh, wait, it's come back. It's come back. It's come back. And all of a sudden, she's like, she said, she's like, do- what is it Dory the fish from oh. I never watched I never watched Finding Nemo but but like I know That's the character she's talking about to be alive with. again like oh like- my god there's there's a there's a whale like it's just like you forget like you just so easily can be in this other space of forgetting how bad it can be but um yeah, yeah so it's I mean I think like really to sum it up when I when I go back through all the po- all the points where I've fallen off my path it's not like I've just um fallen off my like really it's kind of I've fallen off of my my of my connection to myself and I don't feel like myself and it's depression it's depression <laughs> so that's what we're talking about today <laughs> oh so this is about depression yeah it's depression <laughs> yeah man yeah mm-hmm. yeah um yeah and I think that's you know I don't uh, I don't even know where to go from there because depression is a whole other thing. But um, but our minds, except to say maybe this is a you know a good maybe segue into talking about what what you do. Yeah. Um, but depression is like the ultimate mind fuck because you don't know you're getting depressed when it happens. You just are losing color. You know, like you're losing your connection to life and it's not a sadness like sadness is very different you know grief and grief sadness is have different flavor yeah but depression is just a big big void void and um it's terrifying so um i yeah so what you know what what have you done what did you do when once you realized what was happening well it's so funny because like you said like you don't really you don't really know you don't really know you're in it until you're in it Mm -hmm. and then when you're in it it feels like it feels it's almost like you've wandered down like a labyrinth you know and you can't like all of a sudden you're like fuck you can't turn back to walk your way out right Mm -hmm. and um you know so for me I think what I what I did in the beginning was I um tried to feel any sort of way that I could possibly feel so I think um you know I I did really self-destructive things or I did actually what I always do, which is I tried to fix it, you know? And um, and that means either fixing what I thought the root of the problem was, right? So for like, in, you know, in the very specific event of last summer, I tried to, if I, I thought if I made this man who was d- disliked me very much, I thought if he disliked me, um, that would fix my depression. Or if I could find out why, right? And so like I, like I read Lean In, because, you know, I figured oh, if I understood the sexism that was play at play because he was a man, I really could pull that apart, you know, then. And I and I literally, I should go back and find the text messages because I was, like, texting people. I was like, I figured it out. It's a man thing, you know. That's why my life is falling apart because he's a man and I'm a woman. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so I think, like, in the beginning, before I really, like, became an expert at being depressed without numbing, because that's what this is, right? 
you're depressed and you can't escape it through fucking blowing your mind out with pot or mm-hmm. tons of takeout food in your toilet or with alcohol. And so um, without the numbing agents, um, I had to learn. And then I moved to another numbing agent. Like I was, you know, in this really awful relationship with a man for a while. And I would tech, I would like just to try and feel and to not feel what I was feeling. I would, you know, I would get him to tell me what a piece of shit I was. Um, and then, um, which just worked so well. And, um, and I think like really what happened was for me, I had this big turning point in January of this year when, um, Laura was depressed in December and then she passed, then she got happy and then I picked up the depression because we passed things back and forth. Um, I'm sorry. That's okay. Do you remember that? Yeah. You were like, I'm so depressed. I can't get out of bed. And I was like, I'm great. And then like. I've never been so happy. And I'm like, here, slingshot over the country. Now it's yours, bitch. So yeah, so I I caught her depression as she was getting better, and I um and at that same time I wanted I like I was about to go bankrupt. I had barely any money left. I was um, you know, it's facing some dire shit, you know. And I was working. Uh, I was I was I had a great consulting job, but it, but I hated going into an office still and. I um and then I told her I'm gonna quit and I'm gonna go look for a job because I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And that day, my article, I my hi my name is Holly and not an alcoholic, got picked up and forty thousand people read it and then like hated me. Um, no, I mean like mm-hmm. half of them really truly loved it, but like half of them hated me. You only noticed the ones that hated. Yeah, you. of course they only noticed the ones. And then I then I couldn't write, and then I stopped writing, and then it got worse. And I just remember, and it was so, and I like, got, I mean, I did everything I could. I was like dance. I was trying all my old tricks, and um, I was doing everything I possibly could to not. And I even bought one of those like blue lights, and I was like, it's winter depression, and I, you know, I did yeah. everything I could to not. And then I listened to. A Pele report and I you know and, and like the universe like there was some stuff going on with the moon that explained it you know oh, okay it's like the energetic pull of the moon that's causing this and um, but there was this like turning point of where I went from why is this happening it's spinning out of control there is not going to be any end to this to actually like hearing hearing this is what's happening mm-hmm. and stop fucking fighting it and just be with it. And that was the turning point for me, right? Like, that was the turning point. And because I had been, I had sung this song and dance a couple of times at that point, especially starting Hip Sobriety, especially being ungrounded and couched, all the shit. But there was this, like, one moment of, in January, when everything was really dark, including, like, the sky at 4.45 p.m. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in a cafe. I couldn't write. I'd read, and I read every single comment that was awful. And I was just like, I was dying. And in that moment, when I thought it couldn't get any worse, I heard the words I needed to hear, which was, "Just be with it. Stop it. Just stop fighting it. Stop running from it. Stop meditating it away. Stop doing. Stop (laughs) trying to sit and write when you can't. Stop trying to do everything to make this." to make this go away and actually be with it and ask it why it's here and take it on a walk. And so I did. I, I like literally wrote an Instagram post that day and I was like, so I took my sadness, I took my broken heart, I took my, all those hateful comments, um, I took my, you know, sad little, you know, winter blue self mm-hmm. and I took, I took all of that on a walk. I went and I got the biggest froyo you can ever imagine And even though it was freezing outside, and I walked to the water, and I was just like, this is okay. Like, it's okay to be fucking depressed right now, Holly. And then I went home, and I, like, I did meditate that night. I did, like, a small meditation, but I didn't do, like, anything crazy. And I watched TV, and I just, you know, I took a bath. And instead of trying to run from it, I actually invited my depression in. And I just was like, I'll be here with you. And the funny thing is, like the day late, the next day after this very long period, it started to lift. Yeah, and then like very similar to Glennon, I was just like, oh, like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like I feel something and it feels good yeah. and like it's not the dark hole. And so, um, and that's been, that's been it, you know. And you know, when I went through this, when I was doing hip sobriety school, I went through it again, yep. and and I went through it again a couple months ago, and like. I just, I allowed the grief to move through me, and I was there for it. I didn't hang on to it to try and, pro- I didn't provoke it. I didn't try it and sucks. Yeah, I just accept, I, I guess, like, the main thing is, in all of this, the one key that I have is I accepted it. 
And when you accept what's going on, including the happiness and, and including the depression, and you, you accept that it's going to move, it gets just – it becomes a different thing. Right. Yeah, you don't identify fully with it, right? You're yeah. not like, I am I'm this so, thing. so fucked up and sad. Yeah, right. I am I am this depression. I am this. Have you ever li- listened to Pema talk about depression? Pema Chodron? Not explicitly, no. Okay, so she um, basically said what you said, um, which is she her teacher, her first teacher, Chogam Trumpa Rinpoche, told her, when she came in to him one day and she said, I'm I'm just, she explained how she was feeling. She didn't say she was depressed, but she explained how she's feeling. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's a juicy depression. And like had, had the smile on his face like, oh, that's great. That is a great thing to work with. And she was like, what the fuck? Like, no, she didn't say that because she's a Tibetan Buddhist nun. But she said, you know, was like, what? What? You know, that makes no sense. And he was like, yeah, it's. This is really juicy. There's there's a lot there to work with. And um, that kind of flipped it around for her because she is someone who has experienced depression many, many times. And, um, you know, it's it, for her is how, how she learned to work with it. And I think that's, you know, what you were saying. The other thing I just thought of when you were talking was there. I remember this story that Liz Gilbert posted on Facebook about her knee and that she had – she – got an injury at some point in her life um I don't remember how she got it but she got an injury in her knee and so she then had convinced herself that she just had a shitty knee you know that Mm. this knee needed to be coddled and you know and it was it was going to never work the way it should again she's not a runner because of her knee she she noticed the pain every time she went up steps she you know, every time she went to do something, she noticed that her knee was not cooperating with her. It became a thing that like traveled with her, you know, this injury that she had and nothing worked. She had all kinds, she had every, she did everything. She did all the tools, she threw all the stuff at it, she did all the physical therapy and all the um, acupuncture and all that. Nothing, nothing worked, um, you know, for more than a little while. Cortisone shots, all of it. And she was like, one day, I I don't know how the, I got this idea, but it, I got this idea um, to talk to my knee and say, <laughs> what do you need? You know, why are you here? What do you need? And she heard a voice or an idea came to her that said, to move. I need to move. I need you to use me. And she started and she's like please this is not medical advice i do not you know i'm not telling you to go do things to your injured body but she listened to that and she dropped the story about her knee that she had been carrying for like 10 years and she started to use it and put as much pressure on it as she did the other leg and walk with it in the same way and not favor it and go running eventually and upstairs and she started to notice that it felt better and it completely after a certain period of time it completely lifted and she doesn't talk or think about her knee anymore yeah but i think you know that's like a a really good metaphor it's like okay you're here so you're here what do you want me to do with you yeah how am i going to work with you that's great no i love that how am i going to work with you yeah so how, I mean, how have you, in your times of, like, falling off your path or going through these periods of depression, like, how have you? Yeah. Um, like, I, that time you gave it to me, what did you <laughs> What did I do? <laughs> I have no idea, and I don't really remember that. I think, um, I don't know. But I do know the, the number one thing that keeps me out of any high or any low, for me, is going to meetings to AA meetings 12-step meetings and the reason I think it works is because for both the high and both the low um I get out of my own head so I'm not identifying with all these stories that I'm telling myself which get crazy to to, you know to bolt like I'm the best oh my god I'm the best 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 yeah um is just as equally uh dangerous as the you know I'm a total piece of shit story um so I go to meetings and I always 
am brought out of that by hearing other people talk and for whatever the energy in those rooms even if it's not a great you know even if I'm sitting there going I don't want to be here you know I I walk out different and Sarah um Hippola said the same thing about going to meetings for her she um noticed that it's what kept her kept her straight and kept her humble not in a in a like don't don't feel good way but in a just this is temporary this passes whatever state you're in um it's passing and that that has helped me tremendously tremendously and um to almost have just to know that as like a um it's almost like a monastic practice or something just be like just go just go to the meeting you know kind of like meditation just sit yeah just sit and do the thing show up um it it really works for me because uh one of the first things that happens when I get depressed is I want to isolate and not talk to anybody and not share what's going on and it forces me to do that very consistently um and then I can do other things you know so that's what I've done um you know I don't fuck with my medication I'm not going to do that again for a while um and I, I, you know, if I don't go to meetings, I always, always, always talk to people like you or every day, you know, yeah. I talk to somebody who's in, um, who knows me that, and, and, you know, ideally people in recovery who identify and there's something transformative about that. Um, so that's kind of the upkeep. I mean, there are the other times that I have gone through depression were when I was drinking and it's so hard to pull out. I did, you know, I drank to deal with it, yeah. which is not obviously uh, <laughs> what works. But I can't really say what I did in those times because I, I honestly don't know, like, what allowed me to get in or out of states that were like that. I just threw alcohol at, at them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that I think is my experience. And again, I haven't been through a really deep, 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 deep one yet. Um, but I. I do feel like I know um, when it happens, because it will. That's how my, you know, I, it just is ev- inevitable. Like, it's, I live in New England. <laughs> it's fucking winter coming. And I yeah, just, I know. I sort of plan for it. I'm like, I know you're coming. It's yeah. okay. I I know you're coming. And all the things, I can do all the things I want to do. And maybe this winter you won't come. But you maybe you will next winter. <laughs> and, you know, treat it like a friend or something that you know is going to come visit you. Just like fear. Um you know, I know or you're your gonna, period. I know you're going to show up. Or your period. <laughs> yeah. I know you're going to come. So, yeah. So that's, um, I think that's what I would say about it. Yeah. And I have to say, like, so for somebody that doesn't go to meetings and doesn't have that, um, you know, I think, like, the, the one thing to really say is even though I, I do accept it now and, I, and that makes it a whole lot easier, one of the things that I think we all tend to do when we start to feel like shit is we start to turn away from the practices that helped us to begin with. Um, or sometimes we end up feeling like shit because we were feeling good and we turned away from the practices that sustained us. And so where I would go off on these like high end or these, not high end, but these like these periods of almost manic like, you know, need to meditate, go to four yoga classes, call everyone I know, write, you know, do everything I can possibly, take five baths, whatever it is that I can like possibly do. Um, I, you know, I'd say like the biggest thing that I'd have to say is the important part is to is to keep that practice up as much as you can you know and mm-hmm. so um i you know I, you can't you can't you know you can't burn it away right but you can burn through it and the way you can do that is by returning to the practices that really truly help sustain you in the first place and so i might especially like the non-negotiables especially if i'm depressed i do not feel like well, I, w- I was in recently and during this last recent one I was just not great and I texted my friend a picture of my living room and it wasn't even bad I had like I had a pile of clothes on the floor there was a couple you know it was just it was in disarray you know and I was in bed and it was like 6 p.m at night and I was working from bed and I texted a picture to my friend and she's a coach and she just said get your fucking ass up and go clean your goddamn fucking living room and then make your bed and like you know and then I want you to text me as soon as you're done like now and I was just sitting there and I was like she's and she was right and I like and I and I'm also a little afraid of her and so I like quickly got up and I'm like cleaned up my living room and I put the laundry away 
I took a bath and I moved my computer to my table and not my bed. And I was just yeah. like, and I was better in minutes. And so, like, it's, you know, even though, like, I don't say go and try and push it away, please try and keep your stuff up as you're going through this stuff. Even when you feel like, like, it just hurts to meditate or it hurts to be with yourself or it hurts to clean. Like, I know that feeling. I know mm. that feeling so well. And if you really can't and you just need to stay in bed, then just stay in bed. But there are the times where you just have to get up and do it anyways. You have to get on the meditation pill. You have to keep oh, all the other Oh, I feel stuff like up. that is, yeah, that's a big piece. Yeah. You have to do it anyway. I think Anna Ma, I love it. Like, you just made me think of her. She has a concept called the interrupters and that – when she got to a certain point in her sobriety because of AA in her case, but you know, anybody, it's not, you don't, it's not, it could be whoever you need yeah. to have a community of people that are in recovery. I truly believe that. Like yeah. I think you need to have friends in recovery, Yeah. not just your family, you know, not your whatever. You need to have people that are going to interrupt, be the interrupters. If you go off the grid for too long, which can be just a few days, they're going to ask you what's up and yeah. they're going to show up at your house and they're going to blow your phone up and they're going to say, get up and clean your fucking living yeah. room. You know, like, and as much as you don't want it, I, you know, I, 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 when I was relapsing and relapsing and relapsing or whatever we call it, when I kept drinking and I didn't want to, I was consciously not putting those people in my life because I didn't want to be accountable to them yeah. and one of the big things that changed is when I started to I went all the way in you know I counted myself in I let people in I let people know me and make myself accessible to them and vice versa so that they noticed when I wasn't around yeah you know and when I had fallen off and when I yeah when I needed what I, you know, when I needed what I needed so they could show up like and say, clean your, clean your shit or they, they could show up and say, it's okay. You know, what do you need? I'll come over and bring you cookies or something. Yeah. So I think that's a big piece of it too, is yep. like not, you know, the, the not isolating thing. Like that's the number one danger zone for me. Sometimes that's, you know, we've talked about this, the difference between isolation and just wanting, to, you know, solitude or to be alone. Um, and it's such a fine line. It is such a fine line. But and you can actually you can actually go be you know in a in a straight period of maybe twelve hours be the first part be just that part where you need to be alone and then the last part turns into isolation. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh, now I'm hiding. Not, yeah. <laughs> um. No, that's a really really good point. I think having I don't really have people that would because I would cut them off. Um. Because I'm so like I need my space kind of person. Mm -hmm. Um. And uh, but. <coughs> I do have people that I'm energetically tied to. I don't know how, that, mm -hmm. how crazy that sounds or not to you, but for me, I believe that, like, the closer you are to people, like, I can feel when Laura – like, Laura was saying when I was in Italy, she could actually feel how, like, high-vibed I was and how manic. revved I was mm -hmm. and how manic I was. Mm -hmm. And and because I was. I mean, I was sleeping, like, four hours a night. I was, like, you know, like, bah. Um, I was fried. Um, and she could feel it. And, like, you just – when you get in tune with people, they can kind of feel your stuff. And I, I'm, I feel like – the, my interrupters are the people that I've created energetic bonds with that just kind of yeah. know where I'm at and know kind of like when to like say, hey, I always end up getting a phone call somehow or I always end up getting something from somebody when I when I really need it in those, in those spaces. So I think that's great, like cultivating relationships with uh -huh. people that feel you. But I think it's more importantly people that can be truthful and honest with you and just say like, are you okay? <laughs> right. You're not you're, – there's diff something different because that's the part, you know, like that's a tricky part. I, a lot of times you can't see it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you can feel it. You can feel it. I think one other thing I want to say too is, um, you know, there's – one of my one of my clients wrote this blog and in response to something I'd sent her from Annika Martins. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And there, there's this concept, and I wholly believe it. I believe that we pick – we pick our life's path. I just, I do. I've read too much. I've seen too much. And my own personal experience that I really believe that before we come onto this plane, that we decide to jump into a specific family. We pick our parents. We pick our friends. And we kind of set out all these, this course of challenge for ourselves in this life. Like we say, um, you know, I choose, I, I choose, I want to learn forgiveness, right? Which is like this, like, wonderful story called The Littlest Angel, you know, is, um, another thing I'll link to but but the idea is that we it's no accident we didn't just like you know get picked in some shitty lottery to have to suffer all these consequences and addiction is our thing and my client wrote it out really beautiful in response to Annika Martin's um 
article, which is, and she titled it Challenge Accepted, and mm-hmm. it was this wonderful piece about how she, you know, went from hating the fact that she, like, being like, why the fuck did I have a drinking problem? Why the fuck did I have all this shit happen to me? And she went into, um, I chose this. I told God or whatever that when I, you know, that this was what I wanted to learn in this path. I wanted to suffer this terrible horrible thing and come out the other side and you know and grow from it and so um there's this really beautiful Marion Williamson quote that I posted on Instagram that I'm not gonna remember off the top of my head but essentially it says the second that you you know invite God into your life like all things you know like it doesn't just turn rosy it's like it's like all the all the worst things that could possibly happen will happen to you and between this like concept of believing we really truly you know we pick the challenges that we encounter in our lives are really meant to help us grow. They're really, really meant to help us grow so that we can help other people grow, so that we can teach the lessons that we need to teach, so that we can kind of move into, you know, move from being, you know, this from this victim state or this uncomfortable state to really being able to stand, you know, like to stand in, you know, in 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 the shit and the burn and be able to grow stronger from it and grow wiser and grow. And that's it and just grow. And so between that that idea that we choose these lessons so that we can grow in the way that we've decided we need to grow in this world, in this path, in this life. And between the concept of understanding that the second you say, okay, I'm ready to do this work, it doesn't just go like, okay, when you surrender and you're ready to walk down this path, it doesn't just turn into like, you know, this like sweet, beautiful, easy thing. It actually like your your cat dies, you lose your home, you get a divorce, you're, you know, like every, every person that you've ever had a problem with decides to bring it up with you at one, you know, like everything that can possibly happen will happen. Um, and, and not because, you know, it's trying to deter you from this growth, but because it's trying to help you grow. It's trying to help you do what you choose to accomplish. And so I think when we choose sobriety, we choose to actually live our lives without numbing out. We choose to really like um, be our best selves, right? We basically kind of entered into a pact with the universe that we're ready to learn our lessons. And it doesn't get easier. It gets harder a lot of times. And so for me, that's what's happened in my life. It's gotten much harder. I mean, like even though it's gotten easier. But don't you feel like you can you handle stuff so, just so differently? Because it's not like it's harder – it's different hard. It's like a video game. It's not I mean, a different. It's not the hard that drinking is hard. No, 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 no. That's mis- no, the, no. That's like that's that's a totally different type of thing. I'm not saying it's it's hard in that this is this is not easy shit. It's just mm. not easy. Nothing yeah. about this is easy. It's like it's hell to be drinking. It is hell to be. It is hell to to like be the drinking. life that I had before this life. The life where I didn't really understand what it meant to be sober and to work for sobriety and all the other things that come on the other side. It was just making it. It was just making it by, barely, and winning and wanting it to end, kind of. Not kind of, a lot. Wanting it to just end, just, yeah. you know, waiting it through until, you know, whatever. Um, and this is just, this is beautiful and it's big. But it also is like, you know, everything that can happen will happen. But you're right. It is easy. I mean, like, stuff happens. Like, stuff, like, terrible stuff happens and because of all of because not only because other terrible stuff has happened before but also because all the tools that I've learned along the way I like I get through and I and not only that I can kind of enjoy it and so when I look at these periods now these periods of falling off these periods of depression these periods that I don't want to be in a lot of times I can reframe it and say this is what I have to go through Mm -hmm. and that when I get out the other side of this just like you've said to me recently like with my with all of my issues with men I'm going to have so much to show for all this work I've had to do mm-hmm. in figuring out how to have a relationship with a man, a healthy relationship. And I'm going to do a lot of good stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and compassion for what other people are going through. Right. Um, and so it's kind of like, just to kind of tie it up, I think like the point I'm trying to make here is that when we go through really hard, challenging periods and we kind of want to curl up and give up, a lot of times for me what's easy to remember is, okay, I somehow – I picked this. I'm in – this is happening to me because it needs to happen because it's supposed to happen because I'm supposed to experience this and learn from this. And not only that, um, I know that when I come out the other side of it, um, I'm only going to be better for it, you yeah. know? so hard to get there though when you're in it. Oh, I'm when I'm in it, I forget it quite often. Yeah. <laughs> So you have people you have to remind, remind you. Yeah. <laughs> you remind me. No, that's so true. That's it's it's totally true. Yeah, I wouldn't add anything to that. I just wrote some notes. 
Um, so, okay. I think, I don't know that I have any more to add to that. I really? Think, okay. No, I don't think I do. Okay. Do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this is what I want to say. Okay, so there's somebody out there. They're sober. And they keep on, like, going down this – they keep on falling on their floor. They keep mm-hmm. on going through shit. They're depressed. They're, you know, like, what do you say to – what do you say to them? What do you say to somebody that is, like, that right now is, like, going through it? It's not like, oh, my God, I want to drink. That's not where they're at. Yeah. But it's like, oh, my God, I don't know how the fuck to get through this. How do I get – like, how do I get through these really difficult times? What yeah. do you say to them? So I wrote about – I kind of wrote about that this week. Yeah. Um, so I received a letter from a woman this week who was, is newly sober, and she said, you know, I, um, I really, when do I get to start living again? Like, I feel really, you know, kind of stuck, and I have been, yeah, I'm not drinking, but I'm going home, and I'm eating sweets all night and watching TV because that's how I, you know, that's what seems to be working so that I just don't drink. And my response to that was a lot to do with, like, how do you kind of pick yourself back up? How do you, how do you address, um, address it? And part of it, the beginning part of it is it's okay if you're eating sweets and watching Netflix. Um, there's, there's a time for that and a place for it. And you kind of do what you need to do in early sobriety. But what we're talking about is when you fall down on the floor and you're in it. And my... And you my, feel like you can't get back And up. you feel like you can't get back. Uh, my instruction or my experience has taught me that um, usually there are a lot of shoulds going on in my head that are false. Like um, a lot of things I'm doing in my life that I don't really need to do and I need to get back to like 101 basics, like the pith instruction of um, basic meditation, calling people um go to a meeting, just do the drill. And I would say um, when my response to this woman was, maybe you're looking for the branches, and it's based on a Rumi quote, maybe you're looking among the branches for what only appears in the roots. Usually you got to do some root work. You know, you got to look at some thoughts that are really hurting you. Um, Byron Katie is an amazing way to flip what you're thinking out uh, of, you know, the state that you're in. So a simple thought could be, you know, that has caused me depression before is no one's ever going to love me again. Yeah. Okay. Um, is that true? <laughs> is it really, really true? Um, and really exploring that. So looking at the thoughts when you're, when you're stuck down there on the floor, there are usually tracks that you're playing that are really hurting you. What are the thoughts that you're saying? You know, I'm a shitty mother. I'm, I'm depressed. Is that true? Yeah. You know, are you a depressed person? Is depressed who you are? Yeah. Um, I'm a shitty friend. I suck at being sober. I'm, my work life is terrible. My relationship is awful. I'm, Blah, 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 on and on and on. There's probably a long list. So exploring those thoughts. Um, and then the other thing I would say is doing something that you've never done before. That You, you know, try something that you've never tried. Um, go to therapy if you've never gone to therapy. Mm. Go try SoulCycle if you've never tried SoulCycle. SoulCycle works. Um, go meet somebody new and talk to them. Go, you know, if you've never written about things before try writing try the the point being you're stuck on a track right you're like your brain is on this is on a track and it just keeps replaying and replaying and replaying and replaying and you're like down in the, the groove of it and digging it deeper so do something that that startles your brain one of my favorite um my first teacher yoga teacher david vendetti used to say um he had experienced deep depression when he was like a kid and a teenager and he said he would sometimes come to dinner or to come to breakfast in the morning with his family. He would sit down and he would have cereal. And for a minute, he would forget he was a depressed person. Mm-hmm. And then the minute the thought hit him, oh, I'm depressed, mm-hmm. he would be depressed again. Yeah. You know, so it's like you're, you, you know, the track, the thought is hurting you more than the thing that you're going through. Yeah. Um, 
so really starting to look at those thoughts like what would you behave like if you weren't depressed what would what would that look like what would you what would you what would it look like if you weren't you know for me I had a big huge pity party about being a single mom being divorced you know getting sober no one's gonna love me again um I'm stuck in a job that I don't really want to do anymore I'm never gonna be able to do what I really want to do everything you know all these thoughts that maybe all those things were true but um but so what you know and so questioning every thought that you have every thing that you're telling yourself that is probably really harmful and untrue um so that's what i mean by root work and what i said in the post to this woman was we we don't get out of those places without doing the root work so changing the things on the outside you know really ever works it's a lot of times it's um I, and also i will say this this stuff is complex like i'm not a doctor i'm not a well, therapist know. <laughs> you, you know that i'm not a doctor i don't know you know i it's it's hard to say anything but my own experience but you're saying what works for you and that's yeah. what's important yeah and it's and it's somebody... always it's always um it's a, it's a combination of acceptance and be willing to do the work you know have a little stubbornness about it too like yeah get up and and like you said make, take a shower and make your bed um and and try that day you know try yeah. put what little effort you can um in my experience is it, it does go away uh, sometimes it's chemical sometimes you need to go to the doctor sometimes yeah. you need to check that out um so yeah i guess that's that's what i would say yeah cool a mixture a hodgepodge of things but two basic ones you know question the thoughts that you're having and when I work with people too and um and you just ask them to explain what's going on you almost always hear this track of self-pity and hatred for themselves you know and if you're thinking it's never gonna end. and thinking it's never gonna end <laughs> and if you pick apart those thoughts one by one you start to realize how untrue they are you know and start to to lay down different lift different tracks for yourself Um, I like to answer that. Yeah. And so what would you up. say? I think from, I think like very, very simply put, I would just say the first is to be with it, right? As soon as it comes upon you, not to freak out and go down the rabbit hole any further of this is never going to end. This is terrible. I can't deal with this. I think the most important thing is to simply allow yourself to be going through what you're going through and just accept that it's going to pass like everything else is going to pass but be very gentle with what is and stop and don't try and and change what what is that's the first and the second thing i'd say is to continue to do the things that you know work for you so for me the things that work for me is doing a kundalini meditation doing pranayama like breath work works so well for me at pulling myself back um, going to a yoga class works really well for me. Um, calling my mom and crying and saying, like, this is hard. You know, but, like, do the things, like, that you know that have proven in the past to work for you, even if they don't feel like they work, even if they don't feel like they work. I think it's so important to continue on doing the things that, that truly feel really, really good for you. Um, and then the third is to also be very allowing of – um, of what it is that you need. It might not be what you normally need. You might need frozen yogurt, right? You might need to take a couple of days off of work. You might need to stay in bed and read. You might need to wear your pajamas, right? You might need to hire somebody to come in and clean your house. But whatever it is, just be very like mindful of what it is you need and kind of indulge in what you need at that point. And like the, you know, the main thing is here, it's just, you know, it's all working for you. All of this is working for you. It's working through you. It's working for you. And a lot of times I find the deeper and the darker the depression, the harder the period of time, the, not just the better I feel on the other side of it, but also the, I would say the, the, that I, I come through it stronger with, with more tools, with more understanding, more compassion. So you can kind of also look at this like, this is a this good stuff. You're gonna this get is, a new superpower. You're gonna get a new a, a new superpower to this, and I'm always surprised at the end when I come out. I was just, you know, I went through this not too long ago when I came back from Rome. I like the first week was just on my floor, and then 
you know, oh, like just a couple days ago, I was sitting, I was sitting at home at my mom's, and her and her boyfriend were in the kitchen making, you know, cl- cleaning the dishes, and my heart, you know, and I, I'd done some really good, cool stuff, it, you know, and I was sitting there on the couch, and my heart was just buzzing, and I just said to my mom, like, my heart is so full, and I feel like, and I just, I sat there, and I just, it was. It was the most euphoric and wonderful feeling, and I've kind of kept that like since, you know. And so, like, I hit a, I hit, you know, new levels of of beauty and new levels of 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 compassion and new levels of something because I've gone through hard stuff. Yeah. So it's you know it's all for you, and that's I mean that's really it. Yeah, it. I wanted to. I have one little quote because it's, I think we know this is how I. <laughs> this is probably my number one tool is is words. Um, but as you were talking and we're kind of wrapping this up, I thought of one of my favorite um, quotes from Cheryl Strayed. It's from her book, Tiny Beautiful Things, which has been one of my, it is in my top 10 books of that, you know, the, my, my books that I have on my, um, near my bedside at all times. And one of them, there's two of them. So one of them, it relates to what I was just saying before about thinking something that's not true anymore and maybe you know it's an old thought um and so it's don't surrender all your joy for an idea you used to have about yourself that isn't true anymore um when i i got sober um i had a lot of thing of ideas about myself that um started to not be true anymore and accepting them and was really really hard you know, like, I need to stay in this guilt about my marriage. I need to stay in this, that I'm a liar, that I'm a um, cheater, that I'm a, you know, I'm a drunk mother. Yeah. You know, so so letting new thoughts in about yourself and believing that you actually deserve them, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the second one is um, really about kind of that, well, it's, I think it sums up everything that we're talking about um, today. And it, and it says, nobody will protect you from your suffering. You can't cry it away or eat it away or starve it away or walk it away or punch it away or even therapy it away. It's just there and you have to survive it. You have to endure it. You have to live through it and love it and move on and be better for it and run as far as as you can in the direction of your best and happiest mm. dreams across the bid- bridge that was built by your own desire to heal. And that's it right there. <laughs> I couldn't it. say it any better. No, I think that's how we end because that's that's it. Yeah. All right, my love. So um, we are leaving D.C. tomorrow. We'll yeah. definitely talk about what today was like on our next podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Sign off. Until next time. Adieu. 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 Is adieu? Adieu. Adieu. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Bye. Bye. Swear